welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Gary Scheiman for the VR game Torn. He used a live orchestra and got to record them in his favorite scoring stage in LA, which is uncommon for a game score. Gary will talk a little bit about why it's uncommon, and he'll also talk about why recording on a scoring stage is different than recording in a studio. Well, it's so exciting to get to finally talk to you about a VR game. And I don't mean finally. I should reword that because that sounds uh, way more negative than I intend it to be. But uh, it's just such a recent development that, you know, it's just been kind of this burst over the last year. And uh, I'm just I'm glad to, to get to connect with you on VR. <laughs> Absolutely. It is actually my second VR game. Uh, Did we talk about the first one? Uh, I don't think so. I did a game, I scored a game called I.O. Moon, which is one of the moons of Jupiter. Yes. Uh, and uh, you visit the, the moon, and uh, it was it was a fun, cool game. It, it didn't make a big splash. It didn't do all that well, but I loved working with that little development team, and, you know, it was, it, I wanted to do VR, and then, um, and then this uh, torrent came along, and that was like a much different experience because uh, they had a really nice budget. They had they really went. It's, it's a highly professional team. Uh, we had uh, you know I had an orchestra, all that stuff. So yeah, well, I you know I'm always curious, especially when, if I may say, a composer of your stature ends up on, you know, what seems like a tinier project or an indie kind of project. I'm always real curious how that happens. And, and is it is one of the writers from Bioshock? Is that the connection there? Yes. No, it, it, that just happened. I think um, Neil Glancy is the creative director for Aspire Games for their, you know. Aspire is a company that has been around for a long time, and but their main gig has been, from what I understand, I'm no expert on the company, but just has been porting games from um, other formats onto Mac. So that's been oh. their their thing. And now they're getting into developing games. So Neil Glancy contacted me and Dave, um, Dave Porter, uh, and they just said they really admired my work. And they really wanted to work with me, and so they reached out, uh, and I and I was really uh, very excited to hear about their project, and they they had uh, the resources to, to really do it right in terms of uh, producing it with a orchestra in Los Angeles, which is yeah. like amazing these days, which is yeah, fantastic. No so it was just uh, a totally I, I loved that experience, and would do it again in a nanosecond. bit about the game because you know I saw the trailer but I don't know too much about it so give us a little hint about uh, what the experience is like 
Sure, I have to be cautious not to uh, to give anything away. Right, because when is, does it come out? It comes out soon. It comes out. My understanding is it's coming out in May, so that's okay. next month. Okay. And it is there's a mystery in it, and you have to play the game to find out. But you basically find yourself uh, approaching um, a, a mansion, like in the countryside, an old mansion that's been abandoned for many decades. And uh, there's a mystery in in this place, and uh, you're really sort of tasked to find out what's going on there. And uh, so it, it's it, it really, uh, you know, and it, it's it's being described as sort of a black mirror uh, kind of uh, experience. Um, yeah, those are very dark shows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've watched a few of those. They're, they're so dark that I kind of stopped watching it, actually. Well, the um, hard thing about Black Mirror is to just remember, never start with the first episode. Ever, ever, ever. Never start there. Start anywhere else but the first episode, and then yeah, it might be a little easier. <laughs> yeah, you may be right, because that first episode is pretty, uh, it's pretty dark. brutal, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> anyway. So, so this has that kind of mysterious thing. Uh, aspects of it um and um yeah it's really uh, it just was so cool the the, the i i don't have a vr set up at home so what i first time i played the game was they flew me to um to austin texas where the developer is based cool. so i got to play it there for the first time now it wasn't it wasn't nearly as developed as it is currently uh the, the final product essentially but it, it really um was quite a remarkable experience and and, it, and one of the cool things about um the game is uh is that there's no um movement issues i mean there, you're, you don't get ill one of one of the problems i had with io moon was there was a lot of movement and uh fast sort of like spaceships uh, flying around um and it was hard for me to, to play the game because of that now there's from what I understand, um, motion sickness is a common issue with VR, but they've part of that has to do with the the um, frame rate. So frame rates have improved, and this game is not about like speeding through some kind of tunnel or flying through space or whatever, which is a, which is a remarkable imagery, but it can have. For a certain percentage, which included me, of people, it can have sort of the uh, negative physical attribute of making you physically ill. Mm -hmm. um, so I, there's none of that with this game, which is really cool. It's more of you wandering around this mansion and then finding this mystery and then finding that that this place is really deep and there's this these dark secrets, you know, that mm -hmm. you sort of uncover. Um, so that's really what the what the game is about and uh, I, I just so so then thereafter uh, I would be able to play play the game by a friend of mine uh, does a VR sound so I would go I would they would send him builds of the game and I would go over and play plus they would send me the typical kinds of material you get when you score a game which is uh, gameplay um, uh, footage you know sure. video mm -hmm. and so I, I use that to, to write the score also involved in a slightly more elevated 
um, way or however you want to describe it because they wanted my input on um, how the music would be interactive. Oh. How, yeah, so, and I was happy to be involved in that. I'm rarely asked. It's usually the audio director's job and then, you know, that's their thing and they don't want, they don't want me telling them how the music should, uh, should be implemented. But in this case, they really wanted my opinion and so I was very pleased because I feel like I have good insights about that. Not that, you know, I don't, I, I don't implement audio in games. I've never mm-hmm. been asked to do that. But I certainly have, because I've been doing this for so many years, I really have, I think, interesting perspective on implementation. So I would play the game and I would go, okay, here's what I think the music could do in this part of the game or this that part of the game, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and they and they really were listening to me, and I think they um, they that that was a good uh, a good uh, partnership. I'm curious how the music does interact in the game because it does any of that loop? Well, what I sent you were not the looping cues, but oh. they were they were just like the full <laughs> the, the the soundtrack versions of those. Some I of those, wondered, yeah. Some of those just do play once though. Like you okay. enter a space in the game, and it, it's like um, a reveal cue, and that that was sort of like Bioshock had that. Yeah. Um, you would go into a new level and you'd hear the reveal. So the, so it's, there are a number of reveals and you do only hear them once, but there also is looping music um, as well. And there's also layered music in, in, uh, in part of the game. Um, I forget what I sent you. I don't know if I sent you the, there's one cue, Leaf Storm. I don't know if I sent you that one. You sent me one Maybe. called Leaf something. Leaf. Okay, that was the the leaf. So there's there's. I don't I don't I don't want to give away too much. So I know. No, uh, that's okay. But it was just really <laughs> interesting to listen to it. And now, of course, in hindsight, I remember you saying that you were sending me some of the cues, not all of the cues. So that makes sense. But um, yeah, that really threw me off. I, 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 and it took me a few listens to realize I'm like, this is not gameplay music. This can't be gameplay. You know what I mean in the traditional sense and and. In, in that way, it was just an observation. It was, you know, not an opinion. It was just uh, uh, refreshing, to be honest, just to, to hear such lushly through-composed, melodic, beautiful s- sections of music, you know? Well, thank you. That, that I really appreciate you saying that. Um, the, the, I would say that this game is almost a little more like on a like like a, a movie that's somewhere between a movie and a game you know what I mean it's totally inter- interactive it is a game but there's a very the story is totally central and therefore the music underscores it um, from that perspective um, perhaps perhaps more than a, than a, a tip, more typical game so um, I don't know I, I don't want to Categorized, but I, th- this is really a story, and I think I think we're we're going to see more of this. I, I just 
this is I've I've been predicting this for years that you know games and movies or storytelling are going to become obviously I mean games have been telling stories for a long time but especially with VR I think there's the opportunity to do some really cool things with yes. um, with storytelling that can't be done in a film and can't be done with more traditional gaming experience so this this game is I think breakthrough um, in that sense that it's really got a cool story central to it and it's it's a and you know it's about uncovering that story and yes you have tasks to do and you're solving puzzles and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm yeah. Well, let's talk about the orchestra then, because, uh, again, just very lovely music and lots of really beautiful solo writing for some of the wind instruments, and there's beautiful flute solos and cello solos and great marimba parts that just sound great. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, working with the, those folks. Well, the, the, okay, I, I, I don't want to get too into the weeds on this, perhaps, because I don't know how much interest it is, but there has been a lot of problem in terms of recording video games with the union, the AF of M, which, yes. which translates into working in Los Angeles, which is where most composers who live here do want to work. We, we, especially if, if you've had a history of working with the AF of M and musicians and, uh, and recording in our fantastic studios here, we have three big recording stages, Fox, Warner Brothers, and Sony, uh, and smaller studios, Capitol, and um, The Bridge, and others. <clears throat> we want to work here, okay? But there's been, a, for about the last five, six, seven years, there's been a real problem because the union has been pretty difficult to work with. Um, and I, I, they would probably say that the video game industry has been pretty difficult to work with. But my experiences has been that you know they think of the video game industry like they think of the film and tv industry and it's quite different mm-hmm. and they're and the, so without getting too into the weeds because we could talk for quite a while about all that junk you know yes. ab- about the union and, and i don't think most people who are listening probably care all that much <laughs> but in any event um i brought this project to the union and i said we want to record this in l.a and uh, can you make this happen? And they, there really have been a, has been an attitude change, a paradigm shift at the union. They really want to record here. They, they've been losing a lot of recording to other places in the United States, like Seattle or Nashville, mm-hmm. as well as, uh, of course, London and Eastern Europe. Yep. So they really bent over backwards to make this possible. And Aspire Games also was really cool about accepting the terms of the union, which were really pretty acceptable. They, they weren't they weren't uh, unreasonable, I don't think at all. So it, it just came together, and uh, I got to record with my favorite musicians at my favorite studio in LA, which is the Fox Studio, Fox Scoring Stage, which is, um, it's not just, I mean, there's a difference between a studio and a scoring stage. I don't know how many people know the difference, but I didn't. this a scoring stage is a big room. Really, it's just a big room that has a reverberant quality. Uh, a studio is uh, often small, or, or it doesn't. There's almost no um, built-in reverb to the room. Uh, but places like Abbey Road or Fox or Sony or um, Air, 
Lyndhurst in London. Those places are big, and they and there's and an orchestra. Now, a rock band, you a studio is just is perfect. But if you have an orchestra, you want a space that has a beautiful natural reverb to it. It's it's really permits really complex, beautiful things to happen with the sound and reflections of low end and high end. It, it's hard to to replicate with digital technology. It's it's a, so complex. And so the best places to record orchestras are these big rooms with, 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 with natural reverb to them. And you still might add some digital reverb, but the rooms themselves reflect the sound so beautifully if it's a good room. In some ways, better because it's not. Abbey Road is a is a fantastic studio, and of course, the musicians in London are fabulous. But Abbey Road's a little too reverberant for some of us. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's uh -oh. it, it's there's so much reverb there. It's it, it you know some people don't don't like it. And we'll, if they go to London, we'll like Hans Zimmer will always go to like Air Lindhurst oh. uh, as mm -hmm. his preference. Uh, but uh, but obviously. It, it's a fan, I've recorded there. It's fantastic. So, sure. but I think Fox is ideal. It's kind of like the the mama bear versus the baby bear or the papa bear. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> for the gold the Goldilocks uh, yeah. uh, analogy. Um, so yeah. it, so I got to record there, and we had this. I, I, we just got some of the best string players uh, and woodwind players, and a and a harp harpist. Uh, to come in and uh, record the score, and it just turned out so, it was just like one of the loveliest days I've had recording in a very long time. music at, at, in Seattle for Shadow of War um, and uh, that that was a fantastic experience but uh, recording with in LA with my favorite musicians and uh, in my favorite scoring stage was like you it was it was all perfect so <laughs> I thought the recordings just came came together beautifully the players played exquisitely and I got a chance to write some beautiful music for a change um, yes because I'm usually asked to write such scary stuff you know and uh, yeah you know, action and combat which is all terrific and I, I love doing that so, but I mean I love the to, to, to do different stuff and this was just really a cool opportunity to write I mean there's there's some dark stuff in this score but there's also a lot of really pretty nice um, stuff some major triads if you know. yeah
one of the thing, first things I wrote down was, is this some of the happier music you've written lately? But then the more you dig into the cues that I had, there, there, it is dark. And in that way, it reminded me of Bioshock, where there's, it's not quite that dark, but uh, it reminded me of, of that type of kind of, um, there's, there's some hopeful aspects in there, but you can tell that there's serious things happening too. True, and Bioshock does have some pretty music in it. It does Definitely. have some poignant, pretty kind of, but sad stuff. Mm-hmm. This, this, th- these cues have also sort of a poignancy and all, but it, I think these are a little different in nature, uh, mm-hmm. nature of this music. So, um, you know, and but but that there's definitely dark elements in this story. So it, it does go in that direction eventually, um, but you know the music has an opportunity because some of the areas you go to are just really pretty and beautiful and uh so yeah it was it was just it was just terrific music there there's nothing like horror-ish really well there's a couple of kids that kind of get a little close to that but not but not really but i would say 75 percent of the music is just really on the pretty or poignant or maybe even a little uh sad um but really, I just loved writing it. It just really was great. And the team, I mean, the, the Aspire team was fantastic. Neil and Dave were just awesome to work with, you know, so. I felt like there were a couple of really wonderful moments of channeling kind of a Bernard Herman-esque kind of beauty with a little um, darkness to it, if you will. My adjectives are weak, but I felt I heard that influence just just once for sure. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's uh, that main title, too, that has a little bit of that, I think. Uh, I mean, I think I have a little Bernard Herman in my DNA. Yes. Because yeah. I... Uh, I grew up listening to his music, and, and I don't know if I've mentioned it to you or maybe we've talked about it before, but I will say that the first film music, and I was, before I was a game composer, I was a film and TV composer, uh, and the, but the first music I ever heard as a kid that made me think, wow, the score is really beautiful and different and cool were Bernard Herrmann's scores. Mm-hmm. They, they, so he was my first like um, introduction to like, wow, this is really there's something going on here other than just you know being a, an audience member and, and watching whatever and yeah music was there but I never thought much about it but all of a sudden the music was like wow that's really something special and it I think was what started my interest in the whole field you know sure well in that title uh, theme uh, that you sent me that's the one with marimba right right there's marimba in it and, and um Soprano sax. Soprano sax. Claves? There's, uh, there's some claves in it. And, uh, yeah. Bass clarinet, yeah. Harp, harp, of course. Um, and a flute. That marimba sound, uh, I just, I wish I heard it more because it's obviously a unique sound, but hearing the overtones in those really low notes is such a great and 
off-putting sometimes sound, you know? It's like, wait, which tone am I hearing? And then you're like, oh, it's the bass one. Okay. You know? Yeah, I used both a marimba and a bass marimba. So I had, nice. I had two different marimbas. They were actually samples. So uh, that was not, those were not real. But everything, almost everything else was uh, live yeah. instruments. But the marimbas were samples. was the flautist and I've used her before and she's really well known in, in LA and she's wonderful. I actually um, met her when um, I was part of Soundtrack uh, or um, Krakow Film Music Festival about three or four years ago. I was invited and went to the Krakow Film Music Festival and she was there and I, so we hung out together and she played a concerto I think with Henry Mancini uh, on a theme by Henry Mancini, it was pretty cool. She did nice. this flute concerto, and so she she and I'd actually worked with her on several projects. You know, so she, if if I record in L.A. and I need a flute, I will call Sarah and request her. The cellist, I don't. I'd have to look up his name. I, I actually normally hire Armin, a, a cellist named Armin Kasjikian who I love Arnon's music, and he's got great stories about working with um, Jerry Goldsmith, and I mean, he's, mm. been do- he's been doing stuff in town with uh, John Williams, and he's, he's worked for everybody. He's amazing, and all the Bioshock cello was Armin, but cool. Armin was not available. So I got this fabulous cellist. This guy was just great. He's played before me before, but in the section, but my um, contractor, a contractor, by the way, is someone who hires musicians composers get to choose what players they want but but generally they only choose certain key players and then the contractor fills out the section you know okay. uh, because you don't you're not going to choose 30 you might but in and usually <clears throat> and I would say in most cases composer will call out a few key players like the concert master of a woodwind player someone who's playing solos or whatever and then they'll let the um, let the contractor just get the best band that they possibly can. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, my contractor, David Lowe, said, I have a great, because Arma was available, I have a great player, and he is, he's like a first chair of an orchestra in town here, and he's he, he played beautifully. Talk to me a little bit about how the music was implemented since you've got this, you know, insight into it and, and the kinds of things that you wanted to try out with it. There's nothing revolutionary about how it worked. And, 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 and it's interesting because I've been thinking about VR and I've been, like, talking to different people. Like, how, I mean, how can VR, because because if you think about it, you're in a virtual world, therefore you could have the orchestra coming from the ceiling. 
you could have it coming from the you know from underneath you you could you could literally have the sound audio coming from any direction um, but does that make sense is there any reason to do that and and really no um, generally the work like if you have um, sound that's coming like let's like there is for instance say uh, uh, an old-fashioned uh, gramophone in this house because it's been abandoned for like 70 years whatever and when and it plays and so that's going to be in a space and it's going to always be where it's located so if you turn your back to it it's going to be behind you and if you look at it and walk towards it, it's going to be in front of you and getting louder as you walk towards it but score is different score is coming from a mythical place you know there's really um i don't know if you, did you ever see the movie high anxiety I don't know. I don't think so. It's a, it's a Mel Brooks movie, and there's a really funny film music joke in it, which is like Mel Brooks is sitting in a chauffeured limousine, and he's being driven. He's the head of this new psychiatric institute or whatever, and so and he's talking to someone, and all of a sudden they hear very dramatic music, like a score, you know, and and it's coming in, but he's reacting to it as opposed to just having it. You know, he's like, in his eyes, he's like looking at where's this coming from? And it's getting louder and it's getting more intense and he's getting frightened. And all of a sudden, a bus comes by with an orchestra in it and it's <laughs> playing, it's playing music, you know? So, yeah. so, so um, and has, you know, so that's, that's where music comes from in, in film and games. There's really an orchestra bus nearby. Yeah. We, we never see it. Right. <laughs> so really, um, music, um, we just accept it at that music comes from some mysterious source in the world and that it's, and it's okay. So, so the question is, where does it come from? I mean, so there's simple questions with VR. It's like, you really, you're just going to put it in a stereo field in front of you and it's always going to be in front of you. And so um, we really, we didn't do anything radical in implementation. What, there are certain rooms that you enter and these rooms are important and they have, and each room has a story behind it. And so I would find out the story and then the music would just sort of be, you know, a reveal of this room, you know, whether it's a, a bedroom where a couple had lived and they were expecting a child and they were ended up being childless. So there, there's a sadness to that, you know, poignancy. Um, there's a, a, a room where the valet lives and he was like an English valet. So the music may have a sort of an English Rafe Vaughn Williams kind of vibe, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, there's an observatory, and it, and you have this spectacular. It kind of reveals itself, and you open up, and you see all. You're on this cliff, and you see the ocean, and it's quite beautiful. And it's and that so the music reflects this sort of sort of surprise, beauty, and uh, you know loveliness. So it, it, it's not, that's not particularly complex, but it, that's really how the music functioned, and I think that's how the music functioned well, functions well within the games. Now there's other parts of the games game where you're going into like dark darker places and you're finding mysteries and then the music has uh, some game function but I don't want to get too into it because then I'm, I don't want to give away anything away but the, the music will function and will loop until you achieve a goal or something like that
there's other areas of the game where you go into a room and there's something going on and it's quite intense and you have to you have the jobs as part of your gaming experience of tamping down this uh, this thing and so the music changes and levels it gets quieter as you succeed you know and so that's just it's just a simple level technique simple for us composers who've been doing it for a long time so so really nothing I, I can't say that there's anything you know that we did I, I have been investigating and talking to anybody who does VR audio going what do you what, and I just whenever I, I meet someone like that I go what are your thoughts on VR audio? How can music play uh, any kind of a unique role in the game, in a, in a gaming VR gaming um, experience? So uh, I'm I'm still exploring that and um, and uh, looking for how it, it might be really really different and unique. And also, the game function, the, the music functions in another way, but I don't want to say how. Kind of, it, it kind of throws you off a little bit. Let's put it that way, shall we say? It's a little red herring-ish, perhaps. You know. Nice. I'm going to release some tracks for listening. You've heard them, but I'm going to release some. Be able to release some tracks in May. So anybody who is my Facebook friend or my is um, my Twitter on my follows me on Twitter, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or you can just probably do a good, a nice Google search. You'll find them on YouTube. There's nice. some videos of me actually conducting, and oh, cool. uh, which is yeah, cool. So there's like three videos I'm gonna I'm gonna make public, and so that will be sort of an in intro. And I think you know people will, and and the score will be available uh, for sale in uh, when the game comes out. about school you've you're almost done for the year so this is yes. you know perhaps yes. a little late to check in with you about it but I am always so interested to hear how the students are and how many you have and well every pretty much every year is the same number of students okay um, the screens it's, it's a program called screen scoring which is uh, at USC know, at USC University of Southern California here in LA my alma mater, by the way, and uh, the program is for you know we get about 150 to 200 people applying and 20 get in, then so we're hopefully picking the best of the best, and it is it's it's I'm going to say it I don't care what anybody says it's the best program in the world for scoring any student is interested in getting a um, learning more about scoring and you're in the best place in the in the world to uh, have the the, the people and the guests, uh, guest composers and professionals because you're in Los Angeles. So um, I teach the scoring for video games and so we have 20 people. Now this year is in the only year ever we only have 19 because someone had to drop out early on because of a complex reason. But um, generally there's 20 and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful group of composers and they have as almost 
every year they've gotten better. They you, you they just get better. I mean, it's it's not this is not a program for the uh, people who are not prepared to work very hard because it is a really challenging program. You're going to be writing tons of music. You're going to be scoring student games. You're going to be scoring student films. You're going to be writing music for the classes. You're going to be recording with live, with orchestrally and small ensembles. We just, last weekend, we recorded with a choir. So you're going to get all kinds of experiences. And, and, and you know, it's just, it's a great group. And I just uh, loved, I love the teaching thing. I just go in once a week and do my, uh, do my class, but it's just really something I feel good about. I feel like I'm, because I, I mean, I kind of feel like uh, I've, I've written music for almost every uh, genre of feature film. I just finished a feature film. Uh, oh. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm just uh, mixing Friday, an orchestra that I recorded a few days uh, last week. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so it was a scary movie uh, that I'm I recorded awesome. or scored and recorded. So I'm, I'm I do film, I do television. I've I've scored trailer. I've written trailer music, library music. So I have like like a whole, a really nice, um, full kind of experience of like the whole kind of way, all the ways that composers make a living. You know, so I I'm able to um, talk about all these things. I, I although my game my my class is scoring for video games. I talk about everything. I talk about all my experiences. Primarily, yes, video games. But we talk about the business. How how do composers make a living? Talk about trailer music. I talk about. I I really kind of give them all the. uh, Talk about my full experience in the industry and uh, try to share it. And because I just really want people to get out and find a way to make a living at it, because it it is challenging, but it, it is possible. There's a lot of. A lot of successful people from this program, so sure. so yeah, I, I enjoyed. It. I think you you yeah you did visit my class, uh, yep. and uh, if you ever come back and want to come again, you're welcome. Of course, I would but, love um, to. Yeah, it's 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 a cool program, and I and I really get a lot out of it. So. What a pleasure to talk to you, and always, always nice to to hear your voice. Thank you, Emily. It's always a great pleasure chatting with you. Very few uh, interviewers know and appreciate music like you, so you're a unique presence in this world, you know. for listening to episode 94 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Gary Scheiman at GarySchiman.com. That's G-A-R-R-Y-S-C-H-Y-M-A-N.com. And we put a playlist up on Patreon.com slash level, but the tracks probably aren't named like they'll be named on the released album, just so you know. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily, 
And learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media.